the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey guys, welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. I am your host, the Bowtie Guy. We are here. It is finally fall. Uh, This is the last week in September. We got some fun things coming up October that I'll tell you about, but uh, right now I want to welcome in Bev. Hi, everybody! And Happy fall! Oh yeah! Uh, so I mean, no, don't fall. Yeah. Don't please don't have a happy fall. But yeah, have a nice trip. Autumn. See you next fall. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so uh, today's going to be a little bit of a different show. We've got an interview with a special guest, and they had a small window of time, so I didn't want to. Um, bother them and and make them suffer through all of the opening patter and the word of the week and all that kind of stuff. So what we're going to do is we're going to do the opening of the show. Bev and I are going to talk a little bit. We'll tell you our song of the week and all that kind of stuff. We'll have our interview and then we'll talk about the song of the week after the interview with our special guests. But right now, I just want to tell you that it is fall and um, we do have a word of the week. Our big word of the week today is a fun one. This one is another one that was sent in to me, but it's the word is abstemious. Whoa. Yeah, right? Abstemious. It's it's to not indulge. It's to not be self-indulgent. And I'm hope, hope, hoping that I'm abstemious in my interview with our guest later because I have been told that I talk too much and I interrupt. Uh, but abstemious, uh, not self-indulgent, especially about eating and, uh, and drinking. Uh, so... Um, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up in a, a month. Maybe I should have done this for our Thanksgiving yeah. show, being abstemious. But anyhow, if, there you go. If I was to just guess, mm-hmm. abstemious sounds like a fat word. It sounds like a big, you know, over bloated word. And then it's the opposite. Wow. That's okay. weird. All right. What does a skinny word sound like I, to you? I'm curious. Thin. Oh, well, all right. That that works. That that works very well. Uh, Yeah. So uh, listen, uh, coming up this next month, uh, this is the last show we have in the month of uh, of September. Next month is Bev's birth month. It is October. And so we're going to be doing something fun with the songs of the week for the month of October. We're gonna have the first ever, and I'm hoping I probably do this every year from here on out, oldies in October. Ooh, so we're gonna take old like songs that. and we're gonna we're gonna do them in October. So all the way through October, the, the song of the week will be an older song. It's not gonna be like a hymn from 1800s or some JS oh, Bach thing. We're talking about stuff like from the early 2000s or the 90s or something like that. You know. Okay, so, so oldies in October, you said that right after you talked about my birthday. Um, was there any reason why there's a correlation there? You know, it's it completely about the alliteration of the O okay. and O. Okay. Um, because Alrighty. you are awesome. Oh. Oh, so wonderful. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So anyhow. I'll accept that. Yeah. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. But look forward to that in October. Tell your friends about uh, Oldies in October for our song of the week. If you want to participate in the show, a couple things you can do. We always could use your prayer uh, for guidance, for guests, for direction of the show, um, and just that we are in God's will and not just being an outlet because Paul loves a microphone. 
Uh, so would love and covet your prayers. We would also really appreciate it if you could give us a rating and a review on whatever podcatcher you're using, whether that's Apple uh, Podcasts, there's the ice going in the ice machine, uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts or LimeWire or Spotify or whatever it is that you're listening to. If you could give us that rating and review, that would be awesome. If you want to become a financial supporter of the show, you can text the word MUM to 760-WALLS-CA. That's 925-5722. That would be great. And you know, sometimes I just need a little encouragement. So if you want to send me an email, it's bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. Or you can call me or text me at 760-608-1942 and um, just say what's up. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll chop it up a little bit. Maybe you've got an idea for a show topic. Maybe you've got a song of the week or a word of the week. Uh, you know, love to have all of that. All the help we can get from our listeners is really, really super awesome and important. So we thank you for being here. Right now, what I want to do is I want to throw it to our guest uh, that we have with us this week. So uh, several weeks ago, Bev and I were, and here comes a jet. <laughs> uh, just, you never, you never know what's going to happen on the Mess It Up <laughs> podcast, right? Several weeks ago, Bev and I were at the Celebrate Recovery Summit in Saddleback down in Southern California, and we were blessed to be able to run into and meet and become friends with uh, the president and CEO of Prison Fellowship, the ministry that we work in conjunction with, a man named James Ackerman. And uh, as I am want to do, I asked James, I said, hey, if you ever got a chance, you know, I would love to have you on the show. He said, I would love to do it. I was surprised. I was stunned. And I said, boom, here's my card. Let's change uh, information. And sure enough, uh, when I called him and reminded him, he said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So we've got it. We've got the James Ackerman interview. This is the president and CEO of Prison Fellowship International. Uh, honored to welcome to the show, James Ackerman. All right, folks, uh, we have a special guest today. We are talking to James Ackerman from Prison Fellowship Ministries. James, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, you are the currently the CEO and president of Prison Fellowship. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Uh, leaving prison fellowship at the end of this year and i've been leading prison fellowship for over seven years um and i am in an active transition with my successor who is a member of my senior leadership team her name is heather rice minus so what what got you into uh doing work of this kind you know of faith-based work. Have you always been a Christian? Were you raised a Christian or what was your story with that? Well, I was raised in the Episcopal Church and went to All Saints uh, Church of Beverly Hills as a child. Uh, but I had a um, encounter with Jesus when I was 22 years old. Uh, I was invited by a friend of mine um, to attend church with him. Uh, something I did quite reluctantly. And um, and then I came back a second Sunday and I came back a third Sunday. And at, on the third Sunday, I responded to an altar call um, at Calvary Baptist Church in New York City and um, gave my life to Jesus. I was 22 years old. 
what was your reluctance? Oh, well, I thought all this Jesus business was a bunch of nonsense, to be honest. Um, okay. But I had been going through a process for about a year, maybe 15 months before this moment, really considering whether or not God was real. And I came to the conclusion about the time my friend invited me to go to church with him, that if God is real, then by definition, God must have a purpose and plan for my life. And if God isn't real, to be perfectly frank, I don't want anybody telling me how to live. And so um, I came to a decision in June of 1987 that uh, God is real and God is calling me and into community with him and made a decision to give my life to Jesus on that Sunday morning. So you get called to Jesus in the 80s in New York. That's not the norm. <laughs> I like okay. that. <laughs> I like that. What you you said something about if God was real, He would have a plan for your life. Is that based on Jeremiah, or was that just your own philosophy that was going on? No, it was my own. Just I prayed a lot to a God I wasn't a hundred percent convinced was there, mm. and I came again to the conclusion through that process that God must have a purpose and plan for my life. Why else would I exist? And so, um, so yeah, it started me on a journey. Um, you know, and yeah, I, this is true for everybody. If you're a cooperating citizen, um, you know, God will take you on a journey that will sometimes astound you. Um, <laughs> and that's certainly been the case with me. You know, I think the journey, if you pay attention, it will always be astounding. Uh, I think those who are not astounded by the journey that God takes them on have not been paying attention to either what's going on or what would have been going on. Because uh, everything that I have found has been that God is just ridiculously astounding. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. So after you get saved, <clears throat> You are at this point uh, in school, out of school, working. Uh, I was in the United States Coast Guard. Um, I had one month left on my tenure with the Coast Guard. I joined the U.S. Coast Guard right out of high school, and so um, uh, and spent four years in the Coast Guard. Uh, I would then go to work for a technology company in New York City in sales, um, and. My career went on from there. Okay. Now, the Coast Guard, was that something that was a family tradition or just get out of town, do something because high school's done? No, I um, I was enrolled in college, but I really had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was very intimidated by my father's career. Uh, my father's a very famous television producer has a star in Hollywood Boulevard and all of that. And I was uh, unsure of what my future was. And so um, I saw a recruitment poster uh, one day um, of a search and rescue team, you know, out the blue lights on and everything. And I went straight to the recruiter's office and signed up. Wow. And then came home and told my parents. And they were <laughs> crazy. Um, and thought I was 
a fool. Um, but uh, but in in the end, they saw that it was actually a very, very good thing for me because my time in the Coast Guard, and I did serve on a search and rescue team, my time in the Coast Guard uh, was my bridge to adulthood. And it was the bridge that I needed to figure out who I am and see myself um, uh, ultimately in the way that God sees me um, and not uh, through the filter of my parents' careers. Right, yeah. What, is your mother uh, a career woman as well, or? Uh... My, my mother is the actress Eleanor Donahue, oh. who was the oldest daughter on Father Knows Best. And wow. Andy Griffith's girlfriend, the pharmacy girl, Ellie, on the Andy Griffith Show. She was Felix's girlfriend on The Odd Couple and many, 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 many other things over the years. Wow. And so no pressure was, to be successful. My father was the executive producer of Bewitched, Dennis the Menace, Gidget, Flying Nun, Hazel, all of these classic TV shows, and many, many others. Wow, he shaped my childhood. Right. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so that's the environment in which I grew up. Okay, and uh, siblings? Yeah, I've got um, uh, two older brothers and a younger brother. Um, and uh, they... Until recently, they were all in California. Uh, one, the my immediate older brother uh, is back in Maryland now. He's a he's an Episcopal minister, and uh, transferred to a new church um, just okay. a few months ago. So, what led your interest into prison? So, I, um, uh, I, my career was in the media and entertainment industry. And uh, by the time I visited a prison for the first time, I was the CEO of a public company um, headquartered in San Francisco. And uh, something had happened with me where I had um, made my career the most important thing in my life. And as a result, everything else went into the backseat. My journey with the Lord, my role as a husband, as a father, as a community participant, all of these things um, fell into the backseat. And I made my career and success in my career and a stock price and all of these things how I identified myself. And my wife became very concerned that I was not spending enough time with our son, Holden. And so she sent us on a father-son retreat at Mount Hermon in the Santa Cruz Mountains, which is a Christian retreat center. And as God would have it, our cabin mates were a guy named Dick Paulson and his son, Jeff. And Dick was the development director for Prison Fellowship on the West Coast. And I clearly took an interest in what he shared with me about Prison Fellowship. And he invited me to go with him to prison to see what uh, has become the Prison Fellowship Academy. At the time, it was known as something different. And um, and it changed me on the day. Yeah, it is hard to not be changed by that kind of experience. Everybody I have as a volunteer that's sort of wavering, like, oh, I might want to do it. It's like, 
let me get you into a hope event. Just let me get you through the doors so you can see because it'll change you. My, my wife was that way for years. She's like, nope, that's your thing. I don't need to do that. And then after she went, she's like, you're not going to get rid of me. <laughs> I'm coming back a lot. Yeah, I mean, that was exactly the experience I had as I walked into that prison that day. And uh, the first thing we did is we we visited the unit, they called it the God Pod, that held, again, what is today called the Prison Fellowship Academy. And Which um, prison was this again? It was in Iowa, the Newton Correctional, Correction Facility, okay. Correctional Facility in Newton, Iowa. And um, it was an amazing experience. I mean, one of the guys I met that day was an incarcerated man who had graduated the program. It was known as IFI at the time, had graduated the program and now was an assistant to the director of the program. And that man today is a vice president of prison fellowship. Oh, wow. And so, um, who went to prison for armed robbery of a bank. Yeah. And when he was 23 years old. And so what I noticed about the men in the so-called God pod, uh, cause they were in their own housing unit was that they held the door open for each other. They prayed with each other. The, unit was clean and smelled fresh. Um, there was no cursing going on. Um, and everyone seemed to be in a healthy community with one another, uh, and people of, of different backgrounds and different races and all of that, all intermingling and, and collaborating with each other. I thought this isn't what I expected a prison to be like at all. Yeah. Cause that's not what prison is like. Right. (laughs) Later in the day, the warden took us on a, or the warden arranged for us to have a tour of the rest of the prison. And in one of the other, in the general housing unit, immediately next to the this unit, um, we went in there and it was exactly what it, prison I expected a prison to be. Everybody had their game face on. It looked like it was going to erupt in violence at any second. Everybody seemed to be cursing. Um, it smelled like a, you know, uh, high school boys, you know, locker room on an August day. Um, and it was a mess. And I'm like, this is crazy. So later in the day, I actually asked the corrections officer that was manning the housing unit control, you know, desk control unit. Um, I said to her, I said, is it like this all the time? Or are these guys just putting on their Sunday best because we're, you know, visiting as guests? And she said, sir, this is the most boring unit in the whole prison because <laughs> nothing ever happens here. So I thought that was probably a good thing. Um, so it's uh, it was really a very, very special day. But I want to tell you about the end of the day because that's where that was the clincher for me. So right at the time we were about to leave had a wonderful visit spent the whole day there worshiped with the men in the gymnasium in the afternoon had lunch with the ward and toured the whole prison sat in classroom sessions with the academy guys ifi guys um and just as we were about to leave volunteers were coming in for their evening instruction and um they were one volunteer short and the guy who's leading the program said to me do you 
-hmm. would you be willing to stick around for a little bit and and man one of the tables because the guys we're having we break all the guys up into tables of eight or ten and we're one volunteer short to lead a table discussion would you mind doing that i said be my pleasure so um i sat down with the guys and i said tell me what you're talking about what you what have you been working on they said we've been talking about forgiveness and so i said does anybody want to i said I've, I've got you know real forgiveness stories in my life and i'd be happy to share but does anybody want to go first and the first guy to speak and we'll just call him chad is a guy who um was the foreman of his construction company residential construction company who at the end of a job had taken the guys out for some beers and i guess he had one or two too many and as he was driving home um hit a girl crossing an intersection 12 year old girl crossing an intersection and killed her and he's describing this and tears are running down his face and he says i know jesus has forgiven me he said the parents of the girl I killed have come here to tell me they have forgiven me. The owner of my company has told me that if I remain clean and sober, I have my job back when I get out. But the person I'm struggling to forgive is me. Mm -hmm. And so we unpacked that. We unpacked the importance of stepping into that forgiveness, accepting fully what Jesus has done for you and to um, move on from it, not forget it because it's important to be informed and to not let the things that led to that ha happening happen again, but to allow yourself to let go of it and to move forward. It was such a special moment for me that I left that prison thinking, I, I need to do this. I need I need to volunteer in prison. I need to do this. And that's what I set out to do. Was it more of a shock for your family uh, to say, I need to do stuff in prison or I'm going into the military? Which was the bigger family shock? Well, which family? My parents. Uh, you're, going into well, the military. shock to your parents or shock to your wife and kids well my wife when i told her that i needed to get involved in prison ministry said this is not why i sent you on a father son <laughs> you are already over committed what are you doing but actually i would leave that company soon and and it opened up the opportunity for me to take a year off and, and um i began volunteering in prison with prison fellowship i went through something called the centurions program which was Chuck Colson's deep dive on biblical worldview. It's now called the Colson Fellows Program. Strongly recommend it. Check out Colson Fellows Program at, through the Colson Center. Um, and that year I read 20 books uh, as part of this Centurions Program and I volunteered with Prison Fellowship. And so, um, you know, it, it was a transformative year for me. Um, and in the end, my wife ended up becoming an angel tree coordinator. I ended up getting to know Chuck Colson really well. We became donors to prison fellowship um, and all of that. And that was 2004, 2005. Um, and I would become the CEO of prison fellowship in 2016. Wow. That's quite a journey. <clears throat> so 
what was it that made you want to be the CEO of Prison Fellowship? Because you've done the CEO thing at different uh, businesses. I know you've been working with this. Was it just, I mean, what was, what was your desire to, to lead this group? Well, it was a little more circumstantial than that. So, so you're right. I've been a CEO since I was 33 years old. Um, before coming to Prison Fellowship, I'd led four corporations. Most of them ended in a transaction, a sale of the company to a, to, uh, to a, a larger buyer. Um, and most of them were significant transitions or even pure turnarounds. Um, and so that's been my background. So um, the when, in October 2015, I led the sale of a media technology company called Broadway Systems. And as I began my discernment process to determine what Lord do you have next for me, um, I, uh, I um, learned that my predecessor, Prison Fellowship, had left. And I said to Martha, I said, do you mind if I throw my hat in the ring? Um, I doubt I'm going to be what they want because I'm probably too aggressive for them, but, um, but it can't hurt to find out. So we prayed about it and she said, sure, go for it. Thinking, you know, I'll go take another corporate role. This isn't going to happen. So I, um, cold called prison fellowship and spoke with a man who would become my COO eventually and said, I'd like to be considered. And so he's like, well, all right. So I wasn't found by a search firm because I never worked in the nonprofit space before and I was on nobody's list, right? So I sent them my bio and whatnot. And long story short, seven months later, they invited the board invited me to become the president and CEO of Prison Fellowship. And how is that for your uh, your psyche going from publicly traded corporation to now the nonprofit sector? What what are the shifts that have to go on for you as a, a boss? Yeah. I mean, what I said to the board and what I said to the senior team when I came on board is I only know one way to lead a company and that's as a corporate CEO. So that's how I'm going to lead prison fellowship. I'm not going to do it any other way. This isn't going to be a kumbaya ministry. It's going to be a Christian corporation. That's a, that is a ministry, but we're going to have a 10 year strategic plan. We're going to put in proper disciplines in the way that we do things. Um, we're going to make decisions in wisdom and in faith, not in fear. Um, uh, and we are going to knock down problems that need to be solved and not leave them festering. And so um, that's how I led Prison Fellowship. And um, what I didn't know when I arrived is that Prison Fellowship was desperately in need of a turnaround. It was in bad, bad shape. Um, money, the revenue had been sliding year over year, which, which I knew, um, and, uh, following Chuck passed in, in April of 2012. So I came on board over four years later and revenue had consistently fallen year over year, uh, ever, almost every year they were doing layoffs. Um, the organization had become extremely siloed, like each department was like its own kingdom fiefdom um there were a couple of leaders of a couple of the departments that couldn't even be in the same room together 
the depth of distrust was incredible. Mm -hmm. um, the it, it was, the culture was toxic. No, it was nothing short of toxic. And um, but by God's grace, we got that turned around, and we got it turned around pretty quickly. Only took about a couple, you know, two years to get things into the place where the team was working together as a team. The silos were broken. The the naughty children that needed to move on had moved on. Most of them of their own volition because they weren't up for following my leadership. Um, and or the problem children, I should say, not naughty children, but problem children had moved on. And um, uh, and we, you know we we developed a ten year strategic plan. We um, we rebranded seven different programs and called them all the Prison Fellowship Academy, and then started growing that. Standardized the curriculum of each one of them. Um, as a result of that growth, revenue started growing, um, and uh, and we began to really hit our stride. And then the pandemic came. And God <laughs> did a whole other thing during the pandemic. It was unbelievable what God did during the pandemic. Yeah, it was. I was just finishing my first academy class. Mm -hmm. uh, we had, we were on week 51 when the prison shut down. The next week was going to be graduation and then everything shut down. And yeah, it was, I mean, when we got back into the prison after not seeing those guys for 18 months, mm -hmm. it was just to look on their faces. It was it was amazing. And, yep. and now that prison has recently closed and, um, it's just, it's sad we, when we drive by, we see the lights, uh, and we just think, Oh, that was you know, something going on. But you know, there's always a new adventure. And one thing America is not short on is prisons and prisoners. Um, so there is plenty of work to be done out there. So you're moving on now. And, uh, well, before you months, go that, yeah, hang on. Yeah. You got to hear this. Your listeners have to hear this because what happened at Prison Fellowship during the pandemic is nothing short of a miracle. So you rightly said all the prisons in all, across the country closed. All the churches across the country closed. So how are we going to carry on ministry in prison when all the prisons are closed? And how are we going to do angel tree when all the churches are closed, right? And God brought us solutions to both. So what I was thinking about this over the weekend because I was writing my final board report over the weekend. And I, this, I hadn't quite appreciated this until I wrote it out. There's a reason why Celebrate Recovery wants you to write out your, this is John, John Baker's thing, to write out your testimony. Um, because uh, you, you discover things as you write them out. The Holy Spirit prompts you on things. So that season where we went from toxic culture to working together as a team and really innovating and, and, and building a really positive culture when the pandemic broke, that went to a whole nother level. Because what happened was we stood up a video platform, which we call Floodlight, to provide faith-based and inspirational video content into the prisons. It started with California. It was actually the California Department of Corrections idea, C C um, CDCR. Um, and all of our partners across the country 
Saddleback Church, Celebrate Recovery, Alpha, Hillsong, everybody provided us content to put into Floodlight. And then we promoted it across the country. And as we speak today, there's only one state in the in the country that doesn't use Floodlight, and that's Rhode Island. Wow. Recently, we actually were approached by the people behind The Chosen to distribute The Chosen into prison. And now The Chosen is available via Floodlight into hundreds of prisons across the country. This didn't exist in February of 2020, right? Yeah. We stood this thing up in March of 2020. And by May of 2020, 34 states were using it. And now almost all of them are, right? Here's another one, Angel Tree. We created a digital platform called Virtual Angel Tree, where the, the gift vehicle was a Walmart gift card in a gospel-centric Christmas card that was delivered to the caregiver for that child. Less than ideal, but better than nothing, right? Yeah. Here's another one. The, the woman in charge of Angel Tree Camping, who... You know, there's no camps open in summer of 2020. She's talking to some caregivers and say, these people are really struggling. So we put together something called the Angel Tree Camping Care Package, which included a fully inflated ball of choice, basketball, football, soccer ball, or um, volleyball, an age-appropriate Bible for that household, and a $150 gift card to a local grocery store. Hmm. But there are thousands of families that send children to Angel Tree Camp. So how are we going to call thousands of caregivers with an Angel Tree camping team of like three or four people? Well, we leverage the field directors who can't go into prison right now. So the field directors all got hit the phones, talking to people, praying with them, asking them what their needs are, explaining what this package was all about. And, and so, like I said, the whole team came together uh, to fulfill the ministry calling God gave us during the pandemic. And what it did is it lifted the culture so positively that the nonprofit times identified prison fellowship as the number six best nonprofit in the country to work for. Wow. We'd wow. gone from toxic to being the number six best nonprofit in the country to work for in a matter of years. That is the Lord. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, I was thinking of our Angel Tree party that we did uh, in 2020, and we did a drive-through Angel Tree with our Celebrate Recovery, uh, and everybody came and decorated their cars, yeah, and we sort awesome. of ran it like a trunk or treat. So yeah. the caregiver would just drive the kid through, we'd Amazing. hand him a, a toy or a craft they yeah. could do, and it was amazing. It was cold, but it was fun. <laughs> but, 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 but about 60% of the churches were hundred percent closed. And so we yes. served 60% of the children via virtual angel tree. The rest were served through innovative things like what you guys did. Um, it's, you know, the pandemic was bad, every, but, but it sure did create child. a lot of stuff. Right. But we served every child that was signed up yeah. that year. Everyone. So what's the next project, the next um, dream or, or goal for you? Well, you know, one of the things that, that happened that is really amazing as well is one of my prayers when I first started was, Lord, I'm so grateful that you brought me to Prison Fellowship. I'm honored to be, to be frank, to get to lead this great ministry. 
but how you know am i here short term long term what what is your what is your desire and through beginning with a word of knowledge that was spoken to me which is amazing um god made clear to me that he brought me here for a season basically to be the bridge between the era of being founder led to the era of being mission led and that is my mission and consistent with my past experiences of being a transitional or turnaround CEO, God raised me up to lead prison fellowship through a season of significant transition. And so what the Lord made clear to me is that he was raising somebody else up to lead prison fellowship into their next era. And so I eventually identified Heather Rice Minus, a member of my senior leadership team at prison fellowship, as a person having the potential to lead the whole ministry and then realize this is the person God's calling to lead the whole ministry. And I promoted her to the board. Um, the board went through their process, about a 15 month long process of really discerning if she was the one, eventually agreed. And now, as I mentioned earlier, we're in an active transition. What's fun about, what's, what I find fascinating about Heather's coming leadership is not only will she be the first woman to lead Prison Fellowship in its near 50-year history, but she'll actually be the first person to lead Prison Fellowship who never met Chuck Colson. Oh, wow. Really are stepping into a new era. Wow. What's crazy, though, is that her own vision for the future is almost 100% consistent with Chuck's original vision for Prison Fellowship, which is to leverage the church to serve incarcerated men and women, returning citizens and their families. Mm. Yeah. Um, was that met with resistance? I know it's not, I mean, it's it's not popular anyway today, wherever you are to have a female CEO, but I know females can meet a lot of resistance in faith-based areas if they're in leadership positions. Did that meet with resistance from donors or uh, board or anything like that or no um, uh, well first of all when I announced it to staff they leapt to their feet and gave her a standing ovation um, that felt good for her but how did that feel for you <laughs> I, mean, I know my role <laughs> I, no 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 really all, in all seriousness uh, I am not the president and CEO of Prison Fellowship I'm James, I'm a leader, I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, but what I do is serve as the president and CEO of mm. Prison Fellowship, but it is not my identity. And I made a point of keeping my profile low at Prison Fellowship because we had become known for our founder and not the work we do. And we need to become known for the work we do and not just our founder. We'll never disrespect Chuck or forget Chuck but we have to be known for what we do, not just our founder. So um, so no, actually it's been a great joy for me to uh, promote Heather and to, to, to transition with her and get ready to step out. I mean, I, I have my last board meeting next month in October, right? Uh, and from that point on, I'll have very little to do between now and the end of the calendar year. And at the end of the calendar year, I'm done. So, <laughs> you know, uh, this interview is going to have a short shelf life. Um, yeah. So, 
but yeah, I, I, I uh, no, I didn't. You know, nobody has voiced concern to me about a woman. I have one person I'm aware of that I think maybe struggling with that but mm. it's literally one and i yeah. know hundreds of our donors all of our board members nobody's expressed any concern about a woman leading uh leading prison fellowship and so that's good yeah i i never really realized that that existed until i was i was at a church and because i used to be a a, a teacher before i was incarcerated they asked me if I would teach a adult Sunday school class. So two of the people in our class were also former teachers and they always would ask the guy to teach when the teacher would be gone. So I didn't want to do that. I thought, Oh, well, your wife was a teacher. I'll ask. And she said, Oh, I couldn't do that. Um, there's men in the class and I can't, I can't teach men. And I was like, Oh, didn't. Well, you know, I, look, I, um, uh, uh, I respect, first of all, I'm not going to comment on churches that do have or don't have women leaders. That's for the church yeah. to make a decision. I'm not going to comment on that. Heather is not the senior pastor of Prison Fellowship. She's going to become the CEO of Prison Fellowship. And so, you know, the person who leads our field ministry is a man named Cody Wild, who is um, somebody who oversaw all of our tier two academies. And we recently promoted him to oversee all of our field ministry in prison ministry. Um, and he is a pastor by background. He was a chaplain in the United States army and then a church pastor after that. So, um, so that, that feels right to me um, in terms of appropriateness. Uh, yeah, look, I, I get it. Um, I had never ever stepped into a woman's prison um, until I became the CEO of prison fellowship and I would never go into a women's prison prison as a man unaccompanied by at least one other woman. Mm -hmm. uh, no, uh, no circumstance would I go into a woman's prison and teach a women's class alone. There's no way. Yeah. Um, I have women board members and women donors at prison fellowship who will meet with me, but never at their home if their husband isn't there. Yeah, they'll meet me at a coffee shop or a restaurant or, you know, whatever. And so that, you know, that, you know, appropriateness is both related to perception, but also sometimes related to just comfort, you know? Yeah. So for me, I would not be comfortable teaching a classroom of women, even if I was teaching on, you know, Isaiah 53 or something, right? <laughs> um, but, but, I, but I would only do so if there were other women in the room with whom I came to that, that classroom. So there's just wisdom in those things. Yeah. No, so what's no your next challenge? So, you know, I'm working through that. Uh, I, um, you know, have been invited to do some consulting, um, kind of CEO coaching, if you will. And so I'm exploring that as a possibility. Uh, I'm probably going to go back into the business world. Though I have um, been doing some some pro bono consulting with uh, leaders of Christian nonprofits, uh, which I'm really enjoying. Um, I have a lot of experience as a corporate CEO, and now the more recent experience of leading Prison Fellowship through a turnaround. And so I'm happy to give that back uh, where I can. Um, but I'll probably you'll probably find me back in the business world, um, and 
what that specifically looks like uh, will hopefully become a little more clear in the next couple of months. Yeah. So not quite ready to retire and hang up your, uh, well, you're not wearing a tie, but your pin set or whatever. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I, I'm only 58. I turned 59 in February. And so um, if I step into business leadership again, I probably have one more, maybe two of these in me, but probably just one. And then I'll look at, you know, stepping more into kind of a retirement mode. But, you know, I was talking to, I was unpacking this with Oz Guinness about a year or two ago. And he said, keep in mind, um, we never retire from a calling. We might retire from a job. So I am retiring from prison fellowship, but we never retire from a calling. So I'm going through that discernment process again to say, Lord, what do you have for me now? And uh, yeah. looking for just some clarity on that. You know, I my father-in-law told me one time he had no idea how he had time to work once he retired with all the stuff that he did. And after my wife retired from teaching and um, after my incarceration retired me, from teaching and we decided to just get into full-time prison ministry i have no idea how we would even have time to have a job but there's no way we could just sit around the house and do nothing it's right. it's just no. way no, too rewarding yeah there's no way i can do that uh but you know like i said i i'm coaching a couple of executive directors of smaller christian nonprofits, and i'm really enjoying it you know the funny thing is is that you know, there are things that are just obvious to me because I've experienced them over and over and over again that for younger leaders, it isn't necessarily obvious because they haven't been through it yet. Yeah. And so just to be able to say, well, what if you did this? Oh, can I? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, um, so it's, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, but we'll see what God has. Excellent. Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. And good luck in your next chapter. There you go, James Ackerman. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate that. Uh, so, uh, Bev, we're back, and we've got a song of the week for the people. The song of the week this week is from the new Lauren Daigle album. And uh, it's a great album. I love me some Lauren Daigle, or as our son-in-law mm -hmm. Dave says, Miss, Miss Lauren, Lauren Daigle. Daigle. Uh, this song is called Salvation Mountain. So here you go. There's about 90 seconds of it for you. And we'll be back on the other side of that to tell you our thoughts. Now my tears are a testimony. My sadness is a song of joy. My struggle turns to victory. It's your faithfulness to me. I'm on my way yeah, to Salvation Mountain. I'm here to be changed. I'm here to be free. I'm on my way. Yes, I am to Salvation Mountain. Won't you come and meet me there once again? The past is behind me. 
Miss Lauren Daigle. Uh, Bev, what you got? Wow, what a voice, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, I love verse three. Uh, now my tears are testimony. My sadness is a song of joy. My struggle turns to victory. It's your faithfulness to me. And um, I was thinking just recently, we all have things that we go through that are tough. And um, I know for me, I tend to to worry, fret, and while I'm walking through that valley, it's just so hard to see that there'll be a day that I will get on the other side of it. Right. But I love it that our God, um, he he receives all that pain, and he knows our tears, and my life is father-filtered. So that means it goes through God first before it comes to me. So he knows how tough it's going to be. And then he and only he has the ability to turn that story into a testimony. And because of that, um, God uses it later, sometimes, oftentimes, uh, to be a story of great joy and uh, share how good he is. And I just love that. I love that. Uh, it's your faithfulness to me. Yeah. God is so Yeah, I, I had a couple things that stand out of me. First of all, I, I, you and I were talking about we love that that one, two, three blues. Oh, and, yeah. And, and the horn stingers. And it's got Gary Clark Jr. in the background. Uh, I've been blessed to see Gary Clark twice. And he, uh, he blows the doors off. Uh, we saw him one time opening for Eric Clapton, but then I saw him one time as a headliner as well, and, and just amazing blues guitarist. But um, of course, it grabs my attention, the second line of the song, my mess yes. into Marvelous, which yes. I, I love. I, I turned it into a message, but man, she went with Marvelous. That's, that's outstanding. Um, but then if you, if you roll down uh, to verses four and five, verse four, it says, the past is behind me, the future is in front of me. I love that, you know, that eyes forward. Uh, and then in, in the five, it says, I know no matter the distance, I know you will go before me. You take my hand, remind me who I am. You're here to show me the way I need to be reminded who I am so frequently. My self-esteem is oftentimes, uh, an easy entry point to my mind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and God reminds me, and I, I just love the fact that it, acknowledges that you know god takes me by the hand he just reminds me hey paul this is who you are and and he grabs me by the hand because that way i'm not looking away uh today i got a picture of our grandson in hawaii and he had gotten his head stuck in a a bike rack (laughs) and and my son-in-law said yeah he he refuses to turn his head so i can't get his head out you know it took a while because he wouldn't turn his head And, and that's the way i'm sometimes like no i know what's best and god's like you know paul if you just turn your head you can get unstuck from this bike rack um, but he takes me by the hand. He just reminds me, dude, yeah. you, you're okay. You've yeah. got this. You're going to be all right. And that's, that's pretty fantastic. So 
I couldn't help but notice at the very end um, when she says, I'm on my way, yeah, to Salvation Mountain. If you're on your way to a mountain, you're going to climb up. You're going to see some stuff. And you are, and, and it's going to be worth it when you get to the top. But when you talk about God taking our hand, I can just see him with like a tow rope and, you know, pulling us along. And, um, yeah, because yeah. he knows that there's something better on the other side yeah. or up at the top. Yeah. And th- I've heard somebody say um, when, we're, um, when we're in a valley, really what we're doing is just traveling from mountaintop to mountaintop. So yeah, the old Sandy Patty song. Yes, you know, yes. I'm not in a valley. I'm just changing just change, mountains. Yes, yeah, yes. So yeah. Anyway, great song. Oh, that would be great a good song. one for for oldies uh, in October. October oldies, oldies in October. Oh yeah. I don't remember what I called it. I've already uh, forgotten. I think oldies in October. Yeah. So anyhow, thank you, uh, Lauren Daigle. Check out the new album. It's got a lot of great stuff. Um, a lot of tracks on it. You're not not getting shortchanged on this one. Um, thank you again to James Ackerman for all that you do. And for being on the show, we really appreciate it. Um, if you want to get a little bit of, uh, of of hope in your week, you can uh, get uh, the newsletters from uh, Prison Fellowship and, and James. Uh, great stuff comes out of there. Go check it out at prisonfellowship.org. And um, you can sign up for the newsletters and, and email um, Hope Blasts. Uh, if you want to get involved with uh, Prison Fellowship, you can call or email me. Uh, the phone number is 760-608-1942. Email me at bowtieguyatmessituppodcast.com or you can go to the Prison Fellowship website, which as we said, prisonfellowship.org. Uh, and um, that would be, you know, I'm, I'm saying it's prisonfellowship.org and I didn't actually check that. I, I should, you know, just type that in real quick and make sure that yes it is prisonfellowship.org all right that's good um uh, so you can uh you can uh you can get more information there if you want to volunteer in the prisons because it is an absolute blessing and it's biblical uh hebrews 13 3 tells us to remember those in prison so and thank, so much fun yes it is <laughs> well thank you Beth, for being here thank you listeners for being here we will see you in october for oldies in October and lots of other fun things. I've got some more guests that I'm lining up to have on here. So um, we're, we're looking forward to getting into the new year. I've got, I got stuff planned uh, for the show. It's been outstanding. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time. We messed it up. I was going to use my pumpkin spice latte line again, but I already yet, you know, did that. So it would be old now. It's not even October. No. All right. (laughs) See you next time we mess it up, folks. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up.